Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. You're very welcome along. You are most welcome to Ballsbridge Hotel in Dublin. Hello, everyone. Even better than we rehearsed. Fantastic. Wonderful. Uh, as you know, today marks the launch of the 2019 Lidl Commodus Pell Potty O'Shea. So the launch has been going on all afternoon. It's now in its 30th year. And this year, GA clubs from the UAE, from Scotland, from England, and 17 counties across the four Irish provinces will descend on the Dingle Peninsula. It's on from the 15th to the 17th of February. For more information, pottyoshea.com is where you need to go. The tournament is in association with EJ Menswear, with the Kerry County Council Tourism Unit and Lee Strand Milk. Now, to celebrate the launch, we have some really special guests. So you can give them all a round of applause as a whole when they come up onto the stage. We have with his four All-Irelands, recently retired, Kieran Donaghy, eight Munster Championships, three National Leagues, three All-Stars, Footballer of the Year in 06. We have a man who did his first commentary for Radio Erin as it was then in 1949, <laughs> which is just a bit ridiculous. <laughs> but it's wonderful to have him here, Mihal Amurhertig. And we have uh, a friend, actually, do you know what? I think Mihal gets a round of applause individually, doesn't he? Yeah. Sorry, Kieran, your four Alarans didn't cut it. No, we're Kerry people. <laughs> and we have Billy Keane as well, whose work you'll know, of course, from the Irish Independent. He's an author. Uh, Johnny Sexton's godfather, increasingly, is becoming your uh, claim to fame. He's rather good. I used to be John B. Keane's son, but now I'm Johnny Sexton's godfather. Yes. <laughs> used to be John B. Keane's uh, son, now Johnny Sexton's godfather. Uh, so they are our three Kerry men for the time being. Will you give them a warm welcome, please, up on stage? I'll break the ball down for you. He's better than the centre. <laughs> <laughs> You're all very welcome. This is maybe one of the most Kerry panels I've ever been near. Three quintessential Kerry men. Uh, you all know each other, I presume, one way or another, do you? Now, who's, who's this? I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, corner forward here to Donaghy. Um, I reared him, I suppose, and uh, <laughs> I, I didn't wear me hall. He's too old to be reared at this stage, but... 70 years since your first commentary, you know, and as good as ever. You should see him hopping up. I know it's radio, but he hopped up on that stage like, like, like Frankie DeTore jumping off a horse. <laughs> it was just incredibly <laughs> athletic and fit. You look in great shape, Michal. What age are you now? Can I be so bold as um, to ask? I have free travel. <laughs> <laughs> he has free travel since 1947, all <laughs> You look to be in great shape, moving well. Are you still active? Yeah, well, I never took anything too seriously. And I think that's a good recipe for anyone. Enjoy everything. Don't be anxious about it. Look forward to it with joy, sort of. And that's, that's my gospel. Did you always have that attitude to your career and to your commentaries? Did you always look forward to them? I did. You know, I was very easygoing. I never in my life applied for a job. I waited till jobs came to me. <laughs> and thankfully, they always came to me. So things like that, um, I got away with a lot. You know. mm. But there was nothing better, I think. There's no better life 
than being involved in sport and having it for a long number of years, talking about players from different counties, those that won all Ireland's, those that never won. I see I saw a lot of counties winning for the first time. There's nothing like that. And you know, it goes on year after year, getting better and better. It keeps the country going. All types of sports are good, but we have a preference for the games that were there, you know. Hurling in particular, over a thousand years ago, the hurling was there. The football was invented. The modern football was invented in 1884. Before that was a, a wild, rugged, rural game, you know, too dangerous to have it official. <laughs> and that was put to bed. The new football took over then, and whether it's getting better or worse, we don't know, but it's still there anyway. It sure is. You talk about an easygoing attitude. Kieran Donaghy famously has a very easygoing attitude to sport. Yeah, no, I, I discovered that man. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, he was, Michal was a selector on the, the underdogs that called me in. So, yeah, I, I, I know Michal a long time. He launched my book a few years ago. Very close friend. A guy I always look forward to seeing, whether it be a Munster final or a league game or an All-Ireland final. He might say five or six words, Joe, but you just feel at ease walking away from him and... I played golf for the first time with him um, about four or five months ago. And uh, you'd be asking what age he is after seeing him hitting the golf ball because uh, I'm now his birth stuff is definitely lying because how, how well he's hitting the golf <laughs> ball. But uh, yeah, no, look, uh, an honour to be. Could to I have disturb him, him and say that yes. golf tells your age? And I got that from a great rugby commentator, Bill McLaren. He was still rugby for the BBC. I met him several times when he came over. He sent me a copy of his autobiography, and very early in it, it says, golf finds you out. You hit the ball, but you meet it much sooner than you anticipate. <laughs> and to make matters worse, those with you stand aside, assuming this has to be yours. <laughs> So that's the way it goes. It gets harder and harder, but and still enjoyable. Great. And do you get out and golf much? Uh, not as much as I'd like. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What kind of golfer is Kieran Donaghy? Oh, keep it. Don't play him for money. <laughs> <laughs> pay him for play or play with him for you know a bit of fun, excitement. But don't dare even. I wouldn't put one euro on. He's a hustler. Yeah, he's, he's a, a winner. He's, he's a, a winner. You know, he always was. We that's heard, why, uh, yeah, sorry. Under doubt, that's why I said the number one on this team has to be, I told the other selectors, Kieran Donaghy. And I mentioned his name that time to a few people in Tralee, and they said, you know, they said, ah, he's a, a, a junior footballer. That's as I was. But they, <laughs> they came looking for him then. <laughs> what did you think you were? Around the underdogs' time? Uh, probably around the underdogs' time. I'd been training with Kerry that year in 04, and I was on the panel for the Dublin quarter final and the semi final. So okay. I did have my eyes on, on going for the Kerry, a Kerry, a spot in the Kerry team. But what Michal and the underdogs gave me was an actual chance um, for them to see me, you know, in a big game. Aston Sex Park, there was eight or 9,000 there in the night. And uh, the game went extra time, was a belter of a game. And uh, I was going against fellas that I was that I was trying to take a spot on the, on the panel off of, and a bit sore after being dropped for the All Ireland <laughs> final in '04, the Kerry one, which I thought might be my only medal I'd ever get. So I had a bit of a point to prove, and uh, but it was a great experience, Michal, wasn't great. it? To play and with fellas from all over Ireland. And the underdogs, they beat 
the Kerry team who were the All-Ireland champions at the time beat them in Tralee. It was a wonderful night. They talk about sports psychologists and uh, the, that night on the way into the game, we left the Earl of Desmond. I'm sure a lot of the fellas from all over the country, Donegal, from the top to the bottom, we'd fellas from everywhere. Mm. And we were uh, going on the bus on the way in and you talk about sports psychologists and visualisation is a big thing now, but this was 2004, there wasn't too much of that. But we sat into the bus and the lights went out and over the radio, the speaker, a tape was put in and it was Michal and Murray doing a live commentary of the underdogs in Kerry with five minutes to go and the underdogs were down three points. And he mentioned every player on the team, every sub that came on, they all did something magical in that five minutes, however it happened. <laughs> and uh, the underdogs won by a pint in the last minute. And there's goosebumps coming up in my neck talking about it now, but we, we came off the bus that night and um, I'd say if you asked every fella on that panel what they felt like after that, just his voice, because we all listened to it and how, sure. how, how recognisable it is and how magical it is. And he was in full flow now. And, you know, I could see him in the studio by himself with the list of players. And he was just, he was winging it. And it was, it was unbelievable. The comeback, just the, cor the scores kicked from 70 yards. And there was, there was massive balls caught in the middle of the field. And backs thundering and shouldering four or five carry fellas out of the way. And so it was, it was brilliant. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Whose idea was that? Having the underdogs. No, how do, you, you doing the commentary on the bus. Just to, you know, get them thinking about things. So was it your idea, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Five and minutes left to play Kerry and Dublin in the 2019 final. <laughs> <laughs> Kerry... <laughs> Kerry uh, by the way, if anyone is listening, this is Billy Keane. Not, this is not the real Mihal. <laughs> and the score is Kerry 5-17, Dublin three points. <laughs> All I know, on the ref, he'll probably give me eight penalties. In the next <laughs> Uh, we're here to celebrate the launch of uh, the Camorthus once again. Um, we just heard before we came on air there, Michal, that you've been pretty much at every launch. It's now into its 30th year and going strong. Billy, you knew Paddy well? Yeah, we, we, were, we were very close friends, I suppose. Um, he came to join me in St. Michael's College in Listowel because uh, St. Brendan's in Killarney, where he was uh, studying, I think they probably were thinking of making a priest out of him, which was never going to happen. So. <laughs> He made the transfer to the stall where his brother Mick Michal was living and uh, we were at school together and uh, we walked home from school every evening and we, won every, we never won anything because the school was too small. St. Brendan's might have 800 and Chile could have 800 students but when party came we won everything. We won the Kerry Colleges for the first time. Uh, we won the Munster Colleges, the B competition uh, and uh, everything changed when he came. That was just, he was so inspiring and he was fantastic. But he, he kind of kind of made me in one way, but he kind of ruined my life in another way because <laughs> he used to tell us, we walked home from school every evening, you yeah. know, and uh, Paddy, I was a few years younger, but we'd walk home from school, three of us, Tommy O'Connell, Paddy and myself, uh, and Paddy would start telling us the stories about being away for the Kerry team, with the Kerry team. He went at Easter with the Kerry team to London and the great times they had, and those women throwing themselves at the Kerry team and everything. So I came home with my school bag and I remember well, my dad was upstairs in the sitting room and he was watching This Is Your Life. And we just come back from train and I went in with my school bag and my father said, what's wrong with you? And I threw the bag in the corner and I said, I'm getting out of this town the fast, the first chance that I ever get. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was living, I said, I've no life, I said. <laughs> 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 I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> 
And is it true that you almost became part of the setup when Pawdy became manager? I was, I, I still don't know what I was. It was 97. You I think finished it was, up as assistant manager of the Kelly team. <laughs> I was something a bit lower than that on the scale. Um, I was kind of a psychologist, really, or some kind of a psychologist. <laughs> and do you have any because, psychological? Well, was, do you have any training in that field? I went. To, I no, none whatsoever. Right. But uh, <laughs> I had to treat myself on many occasions, so I think I was ideally qualified <laughs> from that point of view. Self-diagnosis, and uh, no, he 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 asked me to go to the Canaries. Um, for winter training. I remember there was a man in the county board gave a big speech and he says, lads, we're going over here now for a bit of bondage. <laughs> but, uh, so I went over and we trained for about an hour one day in the beach. There was, it was Grand Canaria, Playa del Inglés. If there was a rougher spot ever put in there, uh, God has had to, to make it. But anyway, we went for a run on the beach and um, uh, it was, we kind of wandered into the nude beach section, there was a big nude beach there, and uh, there was a lot of, it was kind of a gay nude beach, a fair play, each tea is only mad about the gay people, voted yes and everything, I had an uncle, he was a small bit gay, the best to look at him, <laughs> but anyway, we wandered into the nude beach, and uh, the, the lads all kept their clothes on, <laughs> but uh, anyway, we were, then this fella, at the time there was a German soccer team in, in Grand Canaria, and they were training for the winter, and uh, they were flying, zipping around the place, so this, uh, fellow with a camera comes over to me and he says, uh, who, is, who is this team? And I said, Borussia Mönchengladbach. I said. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I got involved with him for the year. Um, and what were you, you know, doing? I, I don't know, I thought. I scouted a few players from him. Mostly, I think, I, I th he was a great man for superstition. And we, in the year we played together in St. Michael's, we never lost a match. So maybe that was it. Okay. We were good friends as well. Um, he used to confide in me a lot, but he had a lot of close... He was the only man I ever knew that would have a lot of close friends, and he genuinely was close to them. Yeah. And you only really knew... If you he he were going well, he wouldn't have much time for you, but because he knew you were all right. But if things were going bad, I had, he had a few rocky patches in my life, and that man was always there, you know. And he'd give you terrible advice, but it wasn't even... <laughs> it wasn't even... The, it was just that he was there for you, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know. We had a great... We weren't the All-Ireland, but it wasn't all down to me, you know. The, the <laughs> Mars was strong. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Morris Fitzgerald and Liam Flaherty a few and kicked a few points. All, but, all, uh, all the Keens are humble, humble people. Humble, yeah. <laughs> That's what I said to Michal. When I met him, I said, Michal, it's such a great honour, you know, for you to be sharing the podium with me. <laughs> but uh, we, had, we had great times that year, and uh, we, were, we were the underdogs that year, big time. But, uh, well, that was the end of the family. He gave the greatest speech. I was walk, I'm staying with my daughter down in, near Blackrock, and I walked past Black, Blackrock College last night. Yeah. They were all training in there, these, you know, the Black Rock, famous Black Rock College teams under lights. And that's where Kerry went before the match. And he had Morris Fitz lined up taking freeze. And Morris had an outstanding game. He, he, sh he had an outstanding game in the final. But Morris took freeze from, he started off 14 yards out. As it was, there was yards that time, I'd say. And he went out to about 60 yards. And he must have taken 30, 40 freeze. And he never missed one. And he brought it into the match. And Paddy gave the speech just before the game. And I was the only one aside from the players that was present. I was kind of a, a critic or an editor or something like that. And he gave the most incredible speech. But it was no shouting or roaring or no command and kill him and disembowel them and drink their blood. That's what they say in not carry, by the way, before you go. <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, no, it was so measured and so intelligent uh, and absolutely spot on. And what he kind of more or less said was, was like, you're all a link. If one part of that chain breaks, we're beat. 
but he said it in such a calm way. And I knew we couldn't lose after the speech. It's amazing. Anyone here that plays sport, you know Lindsay, don't you know? You know when you're going to win when you hear the speech. Like. But it's, it's a part of him that he didn't, I don't think he ever got credit for being such an intelligent man. He mightn't have been the greatest in the world at things like maths now and that, but <laughs> unless he was adding up what was in the till, he was good at that. <laughs> but he was a very, very intelligent man and he really knew how to get the best out of people. Yeah. Jeez, I'd, I'd like to have seen that Morris Fitz training session, I have oh, to say. It's, it's epic. I mean, yeah. I've never Poetry. seen anything like it. It's just such a smooth striker of the ball, you know, so slow. Yeah. Kicking the ball and it just never, he never missed yeah. in the match either. Yeah. He, he got one from the sideline yeah. over on the right-hand side over to Cusack's side with about five or six minutes to go on and put us three points up. But it was, it was almost as good as the one he got in Torless. Do you remember that famous yeah, yeah, one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, uh, if you're ever in Torless Central Stadium, to the back of the old stand, they have what they call the wall of legends. Mostly hurlers. It's a hurling county, really. But there are two exceptions. Young Brown of Tipperary, who was a great hurler, Declan. the football Declan, and Morris Fitzgerald. Now, the Morris one, it's that famous thing to draw the game. He was a step outside the 45. And there's a picture of him, you'd think, to staged. The football is turned that way as if he was holding it for the camera. But what's written on the football is Dublin. You know, getting mixed up before the game. But he put that one over the black spot from that distance out and spaced between it and the crossbar to draw that game. But Morris had been practising those type of kicks for years before then. It was no trouble to him. And, uh, the question was, Tommy Carr, the Dublin manager, passed him by just before he kicked it. And Tommy is a very friendly man. He said, it will be no trouble to you, Morris. <laughs> <laughs> I know what he so said. I know what Tommy <laughs> said. Have Tommy told me one time at a pint, over a pint in La Manga in Spain, I was, we were doing a documentary that never saw air because... Was a foreign language. Yeah. Of language difficulties. Mostly, <laughs> mostly the presenter who was me wasn't able to speak. But that was uh, uh, that was before I matured about six weeks ago. But uh, no, uh, 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 Tommy said something to him, and I know what it is, and I keep the comp. But it wasn't very bad. Like it wasn't like something desperate, horrible. I thought it was very mild compared to the abuse <laughs> that's normally given. But Morris, uh, he just slotted it over. And by the way, Danny here, right, right, Danny here. You all know what he's done on the football pitch. The basketball, he made me go to a basketball game about uh, four or five weeks ago. They were beaten at the weekend, unfortunately. Uh, they were playing uh, Demons, uh, uh, or UCC Demons in, in Chile. Packed, packed all there. Massive occasion. They're about 20 points down. Donny, he goes mental in the final quarter. You know, it's totally against type. It's not his normal <laughs> behaviour. But he was fouled out amazingly enough, you know. <laughs> but he threw himself all over the place. And if you want to really, if you want to have a fun night out, but great excitement, a proper sporting occasion, basketball is where to go at the moment. It's huge crowds. It's back. They've got a couple of Americans playing. And uh, this fella led it because, like, it was gone. And this fella got it all going again. I think it's part of him that uh, doesn't, you know, you, you see him there in Crow Park and, Everyone judges people kind of on one thing, like what they do out on the pitch. It's what he does off the pitch that makes me admire him so much. Uh, like he brought a community together and truly got the whole thing going. And it's like the, the families at the matches screaming their heads off. It's like it's an epic night out to go to the basketball uh, in Chile.
Thanks, no, I, nice. I went yeah. to see him playing basketball as well, and I'm going to see him again. <laughs> I invited well, breaking you all off to come down. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I'm sure he reminded me 50 times. If you have a, a half a minute to spare, will you mention my grandmother? You saw it. <laughs> the grandmother was from the Gaeltacht, and I did mention her a few times. So you did. She was delighted with that. <laughs> and you have you have a you have a tattoo that. Am I right? And it was from your, your grandmother gave you the, the medal. Tell that one about St. Christopher medal. She, um, it's St. Christopher. She, yeah, it's St. Christopher. Every grandson that she had got a St. Christopher's medal when he was 18. Sorry, I don't day. know why you're looking at me. I'm not interviewing you here. <laughs> 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 yeah, I have nothing to do with this conversation. Listen, you chat away. Um, <laughs> we're gotten a bit of a tangent, lads, but bear with us. Um, no, we got, she got us a, a St. Christopher's medal and um, every one of the grandchildren and... I was always, I wouldn't, I'd be a great man for losing things, you know. Uh, lost the wedding ring at a basketball game a few months ago. Lost my, <laughs> lost, lost my watch there. Uh, lost, I actually have lost so many watches that I just don't wear them anymore. So I was a bit anxious about the medal at the time. Like, you know, lo and behold, that a game, took it off, put it into a sock, put it into a shoe. Came home, where's the chain gone? So I had to go give her the news. Don't worry, bought me another one. Um, lost that. Um, you know, they're expensive gold chain, bought me, <laughs> bought me a third one, and I was really minding it for ages, years, and doing it really well. Gone, lost it. So I was out in Miami, and uh, I, I was getting a tattoo, and I got a tattoo of a St. Christopher's medal. And she hates tattoos, and she says, don't ever get a tattoo, and she says, I don't like them. And I said, I won't, I won't, I won't. But I got the St. Christopher's medal on, and uh, a bit of Latin underneath it, two mothers raised me, because my mom and my nan helped raise me. Yeah. And... Uh, had that there and putting her to bed one night. We used to put her to bed when she was really old at the end because her mobility was gone. So I used to go into my mom's and we were lifting her in and the t-shirt raised up a bit and she pointed at the arm. She said, what's on your arm? And I was like, oh, I got a bad belt in the game, the last dance of bruise. <laughs> and she goes, it's not a bruise. And I slipped up the sleeve and she was like, what's that? I was like, it's a St. Christopher's medal. She was kind of half delighted then. I got <laughs> so I got away with my first tattoo. <laughs> God, that's a great story. Uh, how are you feeling about retirement as the football year begins to kick off very shortly? Um, I, I'm fine, fine with it. B busy with work, busy playing basketball, looking forward to giving the, the, the club a, a year or two. Um, looking forward to being a fan in, in many ways. Looking forward to not having the the amount of pressure that I would have put on my own shoulders over the years going into games. Um, I felt that the full forward position always kind of carried a bit of extra pressure that I never really had when I was a midfielder. I could kind of just get on ball and blend away, but I always felt there was a bit more heat in the full forward position and I, I was there for most of my career. So uh, looking forward to not having that, that weight on, on, on my shoulders. And of course, am I going to miss it? Absolutely. Am I going to miss coming over the shot mountain, coming into Killarney for a Munster final and cars parked on the side of the road, absolutely. Am I going to miss an All-Ireland final? If Kerry can get into one this year, of course I will. Um, but it's kind of, it's over to the new management, the new team, a lot of young guys in there. Uh, and it's just an exciting time to kind of, you know, throw my weight as a supporter back in behind yeah. the team and just go to games with a bit more. There, of course, you'll be going to games, you'll be still stressed out and giving out in the crowd, but that that pressure for the for the week beforehand and the, and the expectation it, it, it'll be nice not to have that anymore. In Interesting, because I thought you reveled in that pressure. I thought you were the very one who would do interviews the week of a game, not be worried, not be fussed, almost be enjoying the oh, yeah, sense I, of occasion I, as yeah, opposed I, to feeling I, I, pressure. Yeah, I have no problem with that, and and, and no problem with the occasions, and loved big games, and actually probably 
when I had that bit of pain in my stomach was always a good sign mm. for me. Um, but it's, it's um, especially when you start getting older and you know the years are running out and, and it's, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's it, I'll miss the football, but definitely the, the, the pressure I put on my own shoulders will be, I think will be a relief. Maybe it mightn't be. I don't right. know. Okay. The first You'll have to see, I suppose. A few weeks yeah. against Tyrone, I'll know. Future Kerry manager. And you know, there's a wonderful saying in some little document beside the Ash Memorial Hall in Tralee about Kerry football. The whole thing is about Kerry football. Two classes. The living who shall never die and the dead who shall live forever. Now can you figure that out? In other words, once you were good football and the Kerry team winning all that and so on, you will never be forgotten. You'll get plenty of people that will still tell you the team that won in 1903, the first one or anywhere. You know, it's, it definitely is a religion in Kerry. Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, would you like to get into management long term, do you think? Um, yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, that's the way I would have always... I would have always, you know, I, I, I have... I, I only be ask basketball or football, I'd be kind of, I'd be always trying to pick out things, trying to improve hmm. us. I'd rarely look at, you know, I always did my own thing, but I'd always be trying to figure out how can we, how can we work better as a forward unit, talk to the managers. Yeah. And I was always lucky enough that I had great relationships with all of my managers that I could go to them with stuff. And sometimes, don't worry, they'd, they'd laugh me off with some of my suggestions, <laughs> but sometimes they, they might take them on board. I only ask because in Billy Keane, we have an All-Ireland winning assistant manager who might be available yeah, yeah. to come on board with Bring you. Bring him in. Yeah. And, and uh, psychologist. And psychologist. Yeah. Yeah. A two for one. You're not to forget me now. <laughs> no, I mean, I trained the team in Dublin for years. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, famously. Did, yeah. Yeah, uh, what, what years did you train the Kerry team? 80s, wasn't it? Oh, so I started it in the 50s, unofficially. <laughs> and I finished up, I think, to around uh, 1989, when Pardy and those left the scene, that wonderful team, I decided I wouldn't train anymore. Right. I had some of the best players that ever played. And we had great fun. And you know, the last thing every night in training... I used to bring you a golf club with me, a nine iron. We'd place it on the white line at the corner flag. You had to be within a certain distance of the line to be the winner. It wasn't the longest always. It was which one would be a certain distance but nearest to the line. And Jack O'Shea used nearly always win it. Of course he did. <laughs> now, Jack O'Shea, I, you may never have heard <laughs> he played in eight All-Ireland finals he won seven of them and he played in every minute in every game in all those eight and he was never injured you know you get players that are not prone to injury you get others and they get injured even tying the laces you know the extremes are there I knew a doctor that did a study of the Dublin minor team of 1995 and Jason Sherlock came out as he showed me the DVD, I launched it for him. He was the type of player that will never be injured, he said. Right. He had the dead opposite then that would be so plagued by injuries that he'd have it given up about 23 years of age. Yeah. And it turned out that way. Yeah. And so, can, I, can I ask you, so when you were training the Kerry team up in Dublin, the players up in Dublin from the 50s. I didn't quite realise it was from... Well, unofficially. it was only official from the time Mick O'Dwyer came. Okay. 
75, I was told. He's 107 years old. <laughs> yeah. He's the free travel since, since yeah. the, uh, the First World War. But. And there were, the county board used to be complaining about the bills from the hotels. I, <laughs> I agree, you can't train properly unless you're properly fed. Right. Okay. And they, they'd eat the side of the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fun, there was no pressure. And we had, with the Kerry players, I had, I had players from Mayo and players from Leeds, and we used to have a lot of Leeds from players. Any player in Dublin that was playing for the county team and he had no place to train, couldn't go home, yeah. they were always welcome in our place. And did Mick O'Dwyer tell you what he wanted done with the players on a given night? He didn't because I wouldn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> Neither would I ever try to tell the like of him anything, you know. Do it your own way. And did, I had my own way. And did you have them running laps the way Mikko would have? Not as much. No. Now, Mikko had his own reason for running the laps. I used to always say something to Mick that wouldn't always be true, and I met him one time there. He was training Wicklow at the time, the end of his career. I said, Mick, I had a lecture from a famous American author the other night, and he said this lapping of pictures is crazy. And Mick didn't like talking about experts. Right? <laughs> and then Mick said to me, sure, I knew that 30 years ago. Looked out in the field and the Wicklow players were lapping and lapping. And lapping. <laughs> Why are they doing it? Now, he had a very good answer. You learn a lot about a fellow when you ask him to do a thing like that. And you could understand how mm -hmm. there is sense in that. Mm -hmm. The fella... I'm sure now you're a person, whatever you put down for you, that's what you did, you know. He didn't want people to be questioning you, saying that's no good. Mm. You learn a lot about a fellow when you ask him to do that. And that, that was real wisdom. I was reading, uh, Kieran an interview you did with Kieran Shannon uh, after your last game for Kerry. Mm -hmm. Down in Killarney, it was against Kildare. Mm -hmm. And um, I know you stayed out in the pitch for a long time after the final whistle. There was no rush to get in there. It was your last game. You knew it was your last game. And there was a, seemed like an incredibly touching few minutes in the dressing room when you got back in there and the reaction of the other players. And I think Darren O'Sullivan might have been last. Can you give us your memories of those final 20, 30 minutes in the Kerry dressing room? Uh, yeah, it was, um, I was, I was nearly afraid to go in. Do you know that kind of way? Like normally when you're outside signing autographs, you'll be kind of making your way to the dressing room, signing all the way down. And uh, whereas that day I just stayed put and I was happy out out there. I, I, I knew we were out. I'd, I was, I was um, in the terrace and when I heard the score from the other game, when I came off, they were like, the other game has gone against us. Um, so we, I knew we were gone. Um, so I didn't really want to go in. So I stayed out there and eventually Niall, Batty O'Callaghan came out and Batty was like, Kieran, we need you in. Uh, Eamon wants to talk to the players. So I jogged in the name and gave his news then, like, which kind of, you know. Um, and then, yeah, I was just, I suppose I was so late in there. The boys had showered and talked to him and had done his interviews. The boys, the boys were ready to go. I was fully in the gear still. And, um, yeah, a lot of the guys came up to me. And, and there wasn't much words, but I knew, you know, I knew they were, no, in fairness to me, I always sat right inside the door to the right. So they kind of had to pass me going out. So, uh, <laughs> Maybe even if they didn't want it, they still came over. Uh, but no, most of them came over, like, you know, and, and it was just, there wasn't much words. It was just firm handshakes and, 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 and hugs and, and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, and Darren was kind of similar to me. He was, 
you know, we talked during the year. I knew he was thinking about retirement. And yeah, he was, he was the, it was me and him were the last two bodies in the dressing room. And, uh, you know, Darren has been an unbelievable player for Kerry, an unbelievable captain as a youngster in 2009. And he struck fear in teams with his speed. And we always had good banter. We worked together for a long period in Ulster Bank. We always were, were very good friends today. We had a great relationship. Mm. And it was just, it was gas how it worked out that the two of us mm. were the last two out. And that was, I suppose, that was the only time the emo I let the emotions out because he was letting them out. And it was, yeah, it was, it was look, we're there together soldiering for, you know, 15 years, played in eight finals, you know, won four, won four All-Irelands and, and all the ups and downs that come with a, with a career. And um, it, was, it, was, it, was a nice, it was a nice moment for the two of us. And nice, but kind of also w w as the door closed behind you on the yeah. way out, you knew that was kind of, that was going to be it uh, for me being a player in a dressing room. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it, look, it was, it was something that I knew was kind of coming all summer. Um, but yeah. I was hoping that it'd be maybe Crow Park and, Maybe after winning in All Ireland, that's the dream. That's what that's what made me come back. That's what the, all the work was for. But you know, you got to take what you what, what you get sometimes. And yeah. uh, but it was a nice way to finish too in Clarny with my own people around me and uh, my wife and 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 two kids at the game and stuff. So it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now Darren was born in London, and he was I think twelve years of age when he came to Kerry. He was with Tottenham Hotspur, I think. QPR, yeah. Or QPR was, I wouldn't be that well up in the different soccer, but <laughs> he was a very good soccer and he scored a great soccer goal in Croke Park he one did. day. But he really took the Gaelic really seriously and was a very, an outstanding player for a good number of years. Yeah. But then he learned it late, maybe played a bit of it for the Gaelic club in London, but I'd say the father and all of them, the wish was to come home with the ambition he might get on the Kerry team sometime. You know, well, he sure did. Um, we're here, obviously, launching the Commodus Potty O'Shea, the um, Pella Potty O'Shea, and um, we're talking all things Kerry. I suppose just before we wrap this particular section, it just struck me, it's probably appropriate because uh, Wishy Fogarty passed away two months ago, and I'm sure he loved, you know, uh, this kind of stuff and the event down in the Dingle Peninsula. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I've heard you do yeah. many interviews with him. Kieran, I'm sure you have as well. Yeah, I heard yeah, you yeah. on Terrace Talk many a night. Yeah. Michal. Uh, yeah, now the, the, we want to understand Kerry. There's a great welcome in Kerry for players from other counties. And a lot of them wandered there. And you'd be surprised when Kerry were going for five in a row, like Dublin or now. Going for five in a row. And Seamus Darby scored the most famous goal in GA history to deny Kerry the five in a row. But Seamus is very welcome in Kerry. And he started going there. Things didn't go well for him after scoring that goal. It went to the head maybe and lost a lot of money and took to the drink and all that. And then I remember uh, getting down early one morning. I was staying in the Imperial Hotel in Tralee. Got up early for breakfast and who was sitting there but Seamus. He told me he was starting a new job as a rep and I decided I'd come to Kelly. And he got great business there. I even saw him not too long ago. I was down at a county final. Who did I see sitting about four steps, four rows ahead of me in the stand? I wasn't working the same day. He was there, Seamus Darby. I was curious, did he have a cousin playing? I went down and asked him, uh, what interest have you here today? 
I'm guest at the county board to pick the man of the match. And I think that's a good attitude. When games are over, they're over, they don't change. Mick O'Dwy was a great man after a failure. Keep looking forward. Nobody won the next one. I often had him saying, nobody won that next one out there yet. And you could see them even before the winter was out, getting ready for the next one. The ones that were won don't matter to the real sportsman. It's, it's the challenge. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the way things go. Seamus Darby, I met him quite recently down, launching a book on the club road club. Eight of them won all Ireland medals. And they had a big night and wrote a book about, you know, that gave the details about oh, a wonderful night. And it didn't finish until morning. No, if you I'm go sure. to Offaly, that's the way it is. Is that right, yeah? I remember being down there at... The night a bar was opened up in the Tullamore Court Hotel, and I, I launched it because it was a bar, the Furlong Bar. The Furlongs, who played football for Offaly for a good few years, won all Ireland's. That's where their farm was, that's where their home was. Sold the land, and the bar of the hotel was built there. And I came home without my coat didn't know that till the following day, and I wasn't drunk or anything like that. I rang up about two o'clock in the day, and I got a reception. I said, I left my coat somewhere around. Will you have a look around? And I could hear it was noisy, and I said, you must be having a wedding or something. No, she said, last night didn't finish yet. <laughs> <laughs> two o'clock in the day. That, that, that's awfully. <laughs> Great um, people. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, I think the sound system let us down there. Wishy Fogarty was just someone I wanted to touch on as well. Yes. And um, I know you, like, you would have been interviewed by Wishy yeah, plenty of times. He, he, People in Kerry raised on him calling the action. Yeah, he was, he was a special Kerry man and, and um, held in, in very similar regard to Michal. He would be a quintessential Kerry and um, a guy that I, you know, always loved dealing with, always loved talking to. He was... He was very passionate about Kerry, and you could really tell that when he was in full flow and commentary and yeah. Kerry were going well, uh, he was a very happy man, and uh, maybe you know, it wasn't going well, uh, a referee or two be blamed, even though he was a ref <laughs> himself, uh, but he was, he was brilliant. Another fellow that I often went and said, listen, if you're doing the game today, give my grandmother a show, she's at home, she can't make it. <laughs> so she, she, he, she listened to Terrace Talk, Terrace Talk is an unbelievable radio show. Yeah. Um, you know, I know you've talked to Wishy about it before, that famous bit of him talking to you about the mountains over the over the stadium yeah. in Killarney and, and um he was unbelievable and a, and a tough loss for Kerry people the way it happened and he was sick a while and you know it was we weren't sure what was wrong and we were always kind of wondering how he was and all that and it was it was a big shock and a huge crowd at his funeral but you'd expect nothing else from the amount of people he touched with his generosity uh the the, the stuff he'd done with the past captains, being a referee, the way he'd gone around. And you could always go to him with stuff. And I went to him, like, you know, you know, might have gone to him about a, a basketball game. Can you give us a shout out in Terrace Talk? And he'd bring you in. Or, and then if he ever rang me about anything, I was never, there was never a problem with me doing anything for him. But he was an unbelievable carry man and a, and a big loss to carry. And I'm sure to his family and, and very close friends. Okay, very and he well won said, a few yeah. junior all Ireland medals and he was sub-goalkeeper for Kerry for a good number of years. His next-door neighbour, a forward that got injured at 19 years of age, Johnny Collity, brilliant forward, liked the gooch. He couldn't run. They didn't know how to operate properly on knees in those days. I'm talking about the 50s. 
but uh, he went into goal and he won a few All Irelands in goal as well. But we, she was the sub goalie, he was the referee, he was the first man to give out a black card, or was it a red card? Experimental. <laughs> and coming towards the end of the match, he said they experimented with one game in Kerry, which, which Sunday, I don't know what year it was. And the match was nearly over, and he wouldn't like even the car, but he said, I better give one. And he said, the next person that will come near me with the ball. <laughs> he did that. <laughs> he was a great character. Yes, yeah. And a strange thing now, he didn't meet many people after being diagnosed with an illness. To the very end, changed his phone number and everything. I'd love to have gone to see him, and so would a lot of people, but he wanted people to remember him as he was. Not as he would be, you know, maybe going down fairly rapidly. But he was a great character and he's missed, of course, and yeah. he'll be spoken about too. Yeah, well, it was worth doing that this evening. Uh, very well said, you two. Thanks very much for that. We're going to take a pause here for a moment. You three are staying put. We're going to be joined by Dermot Early in a moment. Uh, we are here on Off the Ball this evening for the launch of the Little Ireland Commodus Pell Potty Tournament. It's in association with EJ Menswear, Kerry County Council Tourism Unit, and Lee Strand Milk. As I'm sure you know, at this stage, it runs from the 15th to the 17th of February on the Dingle Peninsula. And for more details, you can go to pottyoshea.com. We're going to be back in a second, but a round of applause for our three up here in the studio on stage. Neil Omerhertig, Billy Keane and Kieran Donaghy. Back in a second. Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. Hello there. You're very welcome back to the Ballsbridge Hotel. Hello, everyone. You're still out there. 53106 uh, is the text number. There are a few uh, texts in wondering who's going to win the All-Ireland this year, which we'll come to in just a second, you three. That's me, Ola Murhertig, Billy Keane and Kieran Donaghy. We are here for the launch, which has been going on all day, of the Lidl Ireland Commodus Pell Potioche Tournament in association with EJ Menswear, Kerry County Council Tourism Unit and Lee Strand Milk. It's now in its 30th year, the competition. It runs from the 15th to the 17th of February on the Dingle Peninsula. For more details, go to podioshea.com. So our three Kerry men are still here, and I'm delighted to say we're joined by uh, Kildare legend, Dermot Early. Hello, sir. Dermot Early, everyone. Two Kildare men on Yeah, he's been a backup now. Yes, we have them surrounded. <laughs> Slowly but surely, we'll get them. It's like 98 all over again. <laughs> so listen, you, I, I know you made a big effort to be here, and I'm sure you do, because uh, your father and Paddy O'Shea struck up a great friendship and it extended to yeah. the Commodus Pell. So, so tell us about that, I mean, Paddy O'Shea and your yeah. father. Um, well, I, you know, I think they were going way, going way back um, towards the late 70s. Obviously, Roscommon were very strong um, and uh, they met Kerry qu quite, quite a good bit during that period and it culminated in the 1980 All-Ireland All Final when Kerry won the three in a row. But um, they had marked each other a couple of times and uh, remained really good friends you know, off the field as well. And um, even when both had retired, Poddy um, always had something going on down in Ventry. Um, and any time there was a panel or a radio, I think Wishy Fogarty actually did present um, a radio show from uh, Poddy's pub in, in Ventry. And Dad was invited down and he always spoke highly of it. But um, back in, I think it was 2011, and it was a, a year after Dad had passed, that I got a phone call and uh, it was Paddy and um, he just said, look, we're, we, we'd like to name the cup after your dad. 
would you be would you be on for that? And I said, look, I said absolutely, but I'll just I'll just run it by by Mam, of course, you know. Um, so I rang him back, and Mam was 100%, and uh, said, yeah, we'd we'd be absolutely delighted. And Paddy said, <coughs> excuse me, um, well, would your mum like to come down and present the cup? And I said, of course you would. And he says, the only problem is we don't have a cup, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so would <coughs> would the defence forces maybe sponsor a cup? <laughs> um, <laughs> And I said, uh, I said, I, I, I can't make that call, Paddy, but uh, I'll put you in through. Our, I told him whoever he had to call or whoever yeah. he had to write to request that. Uh, and in fairness, they did, and we have that, that wonderful cup that's, right. that's still there. But, um, you know, a few, a few weeks later, then I got another phone call from, from Paddy. He, he just he'd keep in touch and, and, right. and just tell you how things are going. He strikes um, me as the kind of person who, if he calls you, you never would, would have said, why are you calling me? You'd yeah. just, just start chatting, I just presume. Start, exactly. Yeah. But it was funny because the calls would start at 7, 8, and they'd get later into the night as the, as the calls kind of came on. But he called this one particular time and asked them, you know, would it be possible to get the, the army band to play down in Benchy for the, for the, for the tournament as well? Um, and I said, that's probably a good idea. But again, I said, uh, you're going to have to put the request into the powers that be. Um, and sure enough, it, it was granted, and the army played for the first one anyway that, that was named after Dad. They played at um, after Mass in Ventry on the Sunday, and then they did the parade for the final and played the national anthem. So it was a really nice right, touch. Yeah. Um, but about a week before the, the Comartis, I got a phone call, and uh, it was half twelve, and I looked at, my, I looked at, the, at, at the phone, and it was Paddy, and he said, how are you, Dermot? I was just thinking here, and I think Billy, you mentioned he was a great thinker. Is this, is this half, <coughs> half past midday? or Half, half past 12 at night. Right, okay. And uh, <laughs> he said, uh, would it be possible to get the Navy ships into Ventry? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, I don't think so, Paddy. <laughs> but that's the story. <laughs> And did you go down yourself? Have you been yeah, down? Yeah, we, we went down. We went down um, that one for the first one. Obviously, um, we had a great weekend. Actually, Mum um, and um, my two sisters. I think uh, Paula and Anne Marie went down. Noel, who's here, um, is 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 going down to play with Sarsfields this year. Okay. But she was in Australia, so we went down. We had a brilliant weekend. We were really well looked after. And then maybe two years later, I was uh, part of the management team for the Defence Forces that went down and um, we went down on the Friday night and we said, we, you know, we're going down, we'll enjoy ourselves, but we want to win. So what does that mean? So, <laughs> so first of all, we, we got something to eat. We uh, popped up to Tommy Griffin's pub there in, in Dingle, had a pint there and um, we said, we'd go out to Ventry, we'll have two or three pints and then we'll come back in and we'll be ready for the tournament tomorrow. Um, so we arrived out of Ventry and stood up and it was about half nine and Fergal Costello, who was the Mayo footballer, yeah. he was the manager and he stood up and he said, um, right lads, it's half nine, the bus with everybody on it will be leaving at half eleven. The bus left at half three. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the Friday night before a ball was kicked. So, you know, when you think about it, it was, it was real genius of Paddy to bring this tournament down to Ventry, I suppose. Yeah. You know, in the quieter parts of, of, of the year. Um, and, you know, you go down to Dingle, into Ventry, and the buzz and the atmosphere, and you're meeting people from all around Ireland and now with clubs from, you know, across the water as well. Um, it was just an absolutely brilliant idea and 
going into parties and meeting all these people and looking at all the photographs that he has around the place. You could spend 20 minutes talking about every single one and there's over probably over a thousand photos in there. It's just a fantastic weekend. Yeah. Um, Really enjoyed it. Did yeah. you actually think you were getting out of there at half eleven? Really? Would, to be honest, you know, in the army, really well, in the army, when you say something, you know, you like, say like, timing for, is very important. Yeah. Party, he managed to get Dolly Parton back there. <laughs> <laughs> he managed to get Tom Cruise. Yeah. What was his wife? Uh, uh, what's the wife? Tom's wife's name? Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman didn't speak to him for about three weeks afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the defence forces was no bother at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's, um, I'm sure it was important when it first started, Billy. It's ever more important now. Rural Ireland needs that kind of stuff going uh, on. You it's, know? it's way more than just the pub or, you know, Ventry. It's all over West Kerry. This, this thing brings life around the place. And unless we have people, you know, like Pardy and Padre Gorg is continuing on now in the tradition, a different style. Uh, he, he's more, you know, more understated, but he still gets the work done. He has the passion, Shun and NASA, and, and um, you know, it's um, Mara, party, the party's wife. They're, they're incredible people. The welcome is still there, but you have to work so hard to keep the doors open. This is keeping the doors open and doing it with great style, and it's also benefiting the whole community. Every place is booked out. Can you imagine who else could fill up the whole of West Kerry, like in the coldest, mm. most miserable time of the year. <laughs> but there's a, there's a while, I don't want to put anyone off coming down because there's no, there's no weekend like it for bondage, for bondage anywhere <laughs> in the world. <laughs> and uh, it's just an incredible, but it's just, and that's what, that's what we have to do. We have to walk, walk so hard, walk for the community. Um, you should always put your community first and everything will follow on to you then personally from that. And that's what he did. Like, mm. and he, Nobody else would think of it, uh, to, to bring so many people. Yeah. 44 teams coming from all <coughs> over the place. And it's, 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 they all say that was the year we won the county championship. We had a great weekend. It all started in Ventry. We got going. We had a bit of fun. We had a few laughs. We got stuck in. And that was the year we won the county championship. Yeah. There's so many teams that have come back and said that afterwards. Mm. Yeah. It's funny when you were saying about the... Um, you know, the time of year and the wind and the rain and everything. I remember being out in Galaris for the final, which is right on the Atlantic, and you can feel the spray of the ocean coming over the stand. <laughs> and we were getting ready for the warm-up for the final, and I was trying to put down cones. And as soon as I put the cone down, it was just flying <laughs> off into that. And I remember thinking well, to myself... Well, there's no time of the year to be <laughs> But I, I just remember thinking to myself... It's in February. You know? I said... Uh, no wonder these Kerry lads can kick straight. Yeah. You know? that's, the, that's the thing. Sure, it's the part wind. of it. Yeah. The wind. Uh, Michal, there's a text in from a listener. Sadly, he, he or she doesn't put um, the name to the text. He says, uh, Michal Amurhertig was my accounting teacher in the 1960s. I owe my life's career to him. Many thanks and take care. I didn't, did you teach accounting as well, yeah? I did, yes. Right, okay. In, in, in O'Connell <laughs> School. Time. In your spare time. In, 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 in O'Connell School. I was teaching at that time. Okay. And did you, you yeah. left the teaching in the 80s, I think, didn't you? Yeah, I think 80 or 81. And did you enjoy Up it? Up to then, there weren't sufficient games on, yeah. being covered over weekends, that, it, to be full that you time. could be full-time. Yeah. But the moment the change came, I left. And did you, was it a tough decision to leave, or were you happy enough to get Well, I, I loved being in the company of young people. I think it keeps you young. Yeah. You think like them. You know, when they're 16, 17, going on towards the leaving set and all that. And great, they were great fun, you know. Mm. And, you know, we had fun at the teaching as well. And 
he didn't put his name. No, he didn't, unfortunately. If you could text back in quickly, we'll, we'll no, read he, out the name. I remember one year now, but I'm a great believer in Molanoya Augustukashi. Praise the youth, and they will respond. And I got the reverse of that one time. Now, in O'Connell School that time, they had five levels. They had over a thousand in the school, and they'd be... During the leaving cert now, there'd be the A class, the B class, the C class, the D class, and the E class. Now, it, it rotated, you know, which one you'd have for whatever subject. I had the E crowd one year. And there were, I did a little survey one day about, I had done it with the A's one year as well, how much money they had saved. The E fellas had a lot more money saved than those in the A, the bright fellas. But I remember sending home one time the Christmas results, Christmas exams. Parents loved that. And this guy, he got, <laughs> he got first place. Now, it was 6E, sort of, E. He came back then, I said to him, I'm sure your parents were very proud to find out you got first place in the class. Well, my father said, may the Lord look down on the fellow that got last in that class. <laughs> and, uh, that, that was the, that was the, uh, the end of Molinoy for oh, him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, great. Well, someone's texted anyway. They, they've fond memories of you teaching them. Um, so can I, guess I tell you a funny story? Yes, of course I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about, again, when I was teaching... They went away in a retreat every year. You know, the scholars, they took different times. And there was some teacher responsible for the behavior in, in whatever class. Whatever class I had, they went on a retreat down to Offaly. It was a former convent, but some nuns were still living there. Monday morning early, when they came back after the weekend there, the principal came in to me, the, the superior, and he was very worried. I'm afraid I have bad news for you. They caused havoc down. You investigate. And then I started investigating. Apparently they had brought drink. To me it was harmless, really. <laughs> after they're going, they brought drink in with them, not much. <laughs> and then once the lights were out they all came very quietly to one cubicle right. and they had a hell of a noise there but uh, it woke the nuns sooner than they'd expect to be <laughs> and twas they got in touch with the school in the morning oh twas terrible behaviour you invite so I said oh lads now we'll start then I won't name, it was a Christian brother that was driving a minibus, and they were <laughs> And we were as far as Eden Derry, and he said, God, we're a bit early, we'll be too early. Drop in there, like a drink of water or something. They went into a pub, <laughs> and the brother had a few drinks, and some of them had a few. <laughs> so um, then, proceeded then. So my report was, it was a, a failing, I didn't say it wrong. It was a natural failing from the driver of the bus. They're completely innocent. <laughs> <laughs> they were led into it. I'm sure they'll be regretting it for the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> and I told the soap here, they look right, a nice letter to the Reverend Mother and said they didn't do any damage or anything like that. But 
uh, investigate. It was the only investigation I ever carried. <laughs> <laughs> Came up with a positive result. Yes, it did. I'm sure they were happy. Uh, Dermot Early, you've left your... Um, I mean, were you there for a year with the GPA? Yeah, yeah I was there for a year. Um, was lucky enough... Um, to get a leave of absence from the army. Um, and were you always going to go back, or was it a see how it goes? Uh, kind of well, a look, thing, it was, a, I suppose, look, you take a, you take a, a bit of a, a leap. Um, yeah. I said, I'll see how it goes. Um, but, you know, I, I suppose I, at this particular time in my life, you know, the, the Defence Forces is, is where, I, where I'm, I'm, I'm happiest, right. and um, I, I'm enjoying being back. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great career for... For anybody that's that's into physical fitness and keeping fit, uh, among a load of other things, but um, I'm I'm very happy. I'm down in the current now. I'm on my command and staff course, which uh, is a course that we have to do to go forward to be qualified uh, to go for promotion to the next rank. So okay. um, I'm enjoying that at the moment, doing a master's through anyway, minute as well through that. So right, very good. Now, and Dermot was a key figure. The '98 final. In oh, right. well, listen, not Played a wonderful game, and towards the end of the game. Let's not dig that up, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing that we for? We could talk about the semi-final. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how the ball was offside. <laughs> <laughs> you possibly remember it. Towards the end, you had a great shot was deflected to be a certain goal only deflecting and going just over the bar exactly me yeah, yeah you remember yeah, that yeah. and shortly afterwards your kick hit the upright yeah. and rebounded to a bar inches Shin. <laughs> but th that's <laughs> the way <laughs> it's going <laughs> no, I, I, I remember we talk, every we talk afterwards dry up your tears <laughs> man up a small bit <laughs> what did you bring that up for <laughs> No, but I remember every bit of that and most matches, you know, that I brought. I'd remember a lot about them, but they were... The, the match hinged on those. It was great. Another day they'd go in. But it was a great time for Kildare football. It was um, great. With, with, with Mikko yeah. um, at the helm. Um, and just, I suppose, winning Leinster that year was, was massive for the county. And winning And Joe, you're, as a Kildare man, I'm sure I you remember were. it. The, the, yeah. the, the, the place lost oh, its mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was great times. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it was. What was I talking to you about? Oh, the GPA, yeah. briefly. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was just... <laughs> uh, did you enjoy it, not enjoy it? Because of late, the GPA has a lot of bad press and mm -hmm. criticisms and it's lost touch. And I presume you're trying to get a different message out. What kind of, what kind of yeah, period was it for you? No, absolutely. I enjoyed it. Like, I knew the GPA. I'd been president of the association yeah. since 2013. So I knew what I was getting myself into. Um, and, and you're right. The, the GPA, I suppose, one of the, the, the biggest issues that I found, and I'm sure Desi Farrell found it, and I'm sure Paul Flynn is going to find it as well, um, you know, is communicating the message as to what exactly we do. And that, not just to the wider audience, yeah. but also to our own players. Right. Every player is a member, but not every player realizes exactly what the GPA can do for them. Um, so if you're struggling there, um, I suppose, and that's because of the turnover of players that happen, the new pounds come in. Mm. Um, you'd love to see, and I know that, that, that all those involved in the GPA would love to see more players take up the programs, because the programs are indeed life-changing life for, for people. Um, but uh, yeah, communication is always, it, it, it's always going to be an issue. Um, yeah, getting the message out, and I think it will, it will, it will, we will, will always kind of struggle in yeah. that sense. Well, maybe pop into us another time when it's uh, in the studio and give us your experience yeah. of the year. It sounds like you're a busy man. Now, before uh, you go, and we are here with uh, Mihal and Billy and Kieran and Dermot Early, um, the All Ireland this year. There's a five in a row on the horizon potentially. As the honest broker here, who's going to stop Dublin? 
I have a funny feeling Mayo are going to come back with a bang this year. Um, for some reason, um, you know, the weight of history is, is huge. I, I know you can say, what, what, what are you talking about? Like, have you seen this Dublin team? Yes, I have seen this Dublin team, and they are a fantastic team. But history has a funny way of, of repeating itself. Um, and we saw that brilliant documentary over mm. the Christmas, I think it was the prayers of the faithful, and Michal mentioned Seamus Darby's goal. Mayo just, you know, maybe the year, that little bit of a break. Um, James Horan. I think they're yeah. the team that can beat Dublin. Okay. And Kerry will come back, they always will, and they will beat Dublin again, but maybe this, this year, there's one last fight, and I think this Mayo team, and I think we'll see it later okay. on the year. Kieran Donaghy, who's going to win the All-Ireland? Dublin. <laughs> That's what you asked me. Who do I think is going to win the All Ireland? Like, yeah. Do you want Do you want an explanation? No, I don't think we need one to be honest. Really, I think it's it's, it's self-explanatory. Billy, I can't understand how Kieran came up with that conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I agree with you about Mayo. I think Mayo have a right chance this year. They've had a year off. For Mayo to win the All Ireland, they're going to have to beat Galway because if they start going on the road and you're playing matches away from Newbridge or nowhere. It's anything can happen. Mm. So it's a bit like the FA Cup in that way. Um, I think if Mayo beat Galway, they'll go very, very close this year. But you'd have to say Dublin. And you know, Kerry have a tradition of just coming out from nowhere and winning all Ireland. They're a young team. We don't know how good they are. Uh, his successor, that Clifford lad, he's, he, he's, he's Donny, he's like child. Donny has adopted him, you know. They love each other. They, 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 he's spoken to him and he has the Kerry that real carry thing, he's kind of the fire. And there's a lot of great young lads coming through. There's three lads from a club near us, Bally who just moved in to train, and they're great lads. So I wouldn't write us off, but it, it has to be Dublin. Um, yeah. They are, and, and you know, I, I'm going to say it just once, I won't say it anymore, but they are, they are, without a doubt, when you talk about the great teams of all time, they're definitely the second best team of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is, the Super 8s, is, I think, will have, has a big part to play because they're going to win Leinster. They're going to get into Super 8s. You know, we lost a few big quarterfinals. You know, it's a time you can get caught yeah, by yeah. a team coming through the back door. Um, that can't happen anymore. You might lose one game, but if that happens to Dublin, they'll go win the other two. Probably two of them in Crow Park. And then they're in a semi-final. And I think once they're in a semi-final, after being tested three good games in the Super 8s, mm. they will be tested there a bit, bit more than they would in Leinster. I think they're... You know, they're, two, they're, they're 140 minutes away. And I think the pressure slightly off them with the fact that, you know, Kerry tried to do it and this Kilkenny hurling team tried to do it and came up short. So, you know, I, I think the actual pressure's off them a bit, the fact that, you know, these two teams, who are great teams, didn't do it. Yeah. So, look, if we don't do it, we're still going to be a great team. But if we do it, we're, yeah. we're, we're the best team ever. So that's, the, that's a big uh, prize to have. Final word to you, Mayall. Who's going to win the All-Ireland? There's a lot in what they said about Mayo. James Horton was manager when they got a great lift. And they played exceptionally well in All-Ireland Finals while he was there. They didn't win any. He's back now. He knows a lot of the players. They know him. That's a great start. But um, looking at Dublin, Dublin did not win in All-Ireland in a year ending in nine for the past 120 years. Oh, we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great relief. <laughs> That's great. 120 years since they won in the year ending and I. They really only played 
twice more in night. They're very bad record in night. <laughs> so history does repeat itself. Okay. You never know. Are you any good at a lot of numbers? <laughs> <laughs> so it will be maybe a team I'd keep an eye on as Donegal. Okay. But I'd still go for, for Mayo winning. Okay, great. They'll be delighted to hear that. Yeah, you know, the, ni- the nine. They'll be waking up all the year now nine. with your nine. <laughs> <laughs> and be nine Billy will like <laughs> <coughs> Billy will like this. Kerry have won seven in years ending in nine. Right, okay. You heard, it, you heard it here first. Um, listen, uh, we, it's been just great <coughs> spending time with you all. Loads of messages coming in from people saying they've enjoyed it. So thanks so much for giving up your time. Uh, Dermot Early, Kieran Donaghy, Billy Keane, and of course, Mihola Murherdick, everyone. Uh, stay with us if you're listening, because um, there is a... There is a Kerry team, forget five in a row, who've done nine in a row, and they've been somewhat forgotten, the brilliant Kerry ladies team of the 1980s. And we're also going to be joined by a Dublin All-Ireland winner in Lindsay Davey. So that's on the way in just one second. Back in a moment. Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. You're welcome back, everyone. You're welcome to the Ballsbridge Hotel. We are here this evening helping launch the Lidl Ireland Commodus Pell Potty O'Shea Tournament in association with EJ Menswear, Kerry County Council Tourism Unit and Lee Strand Milk. For more details, go to pottyoshea.com. Now, uh, we were talking about four in a row there and five in a row. I think maybe one of the more forgotten teams in GAA really are the Kerry ladies who won nine in a row between 1982 and 1990. Uh, one of our guests now, Eileen Lawler, was on that team. She has just the 10 All-Irelands and five All-Stars, everybody. And then our second guest, still very much active, Lindsay Davey. Uh, She was called into the Dublin squad at the age of 14. She was an All-Star winner at 15. And she's now a three-time All-Ireland winner. So will you give them both a warm welcome, please? Eileen Lawler and Lindsay Davey. How's things? Eileen, thanks for being here. So you're both very welcome. She's followed those three, huh? Yeah, geez. (laughs) Tough tough crowd. Nine All-Irelands, I think. Way it happened. <laughs> it sure did. Um, you're both very welcome. We are here launching the Camordus uh, Potty O'Shea, Pella Potty O'Shea tournament. But um, we might just talk about this Kerry team for a moment. Because I must say, I, I, I knew you were coming on, and I, the last day or two I was looking online for information. Uh, I would suggest you're one of the most forgotten teams who've won nine All Irelands or any All Irelands going. There's very little about you. Um, well, I don't know about that because I don't normally Google myself, so I don't. <laughs> Don't really know what information is on, but yeah, it is forgotten about, you know, that kind of way when they talk about the ladies football now and the ladies football final, I suppose they talk about the Cork team and the Dublin team and, you know, they do deserve credit, of course. Um, But like we did win nine All-Irelands in a row from 1982 to 1990 and then we were beaten by Watford who won the next two and then we won again in 93. Yeah. And... um, and some of the players actually also won in 1976. So, you, you know, Kerry actually have 11 titles, uh, the same as Cork now have at the present moment. Yeah, you're locked neck yeah. and neck. So you're quite, quite happy to see Dublin doing okay for the time being. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, keep yes. on going. <laughs> um, so that team, was it, was it basically the same core of a team? I think you won a minor All-Ireland in 1980. Yeah, we won minor in 1881. Right. Okay, and uh, then that was the core of the team uh, with other players. And then we just kind of 
happened to keep together. I suppose that was the most important thing. And we just, you just never think about winning. You know, when you win in All-Ireland, it was great, and I can remember it distinctly. Yeah. Uh, you always remember your first. And then after that, we just kind of kept playing, and we all were very, you know, we love football. We were all fairly good sports people, and we just took it for granted in a sense that we were going to come out playing the following year and the following year, and... You know, that's just the way it happened. Did I, um, I was looking through the various results. I make it 1986 was the first final at Crow Park. Yeah. Where I were you playing before that? Uh, 1986 was the first one. I remember distinctly. We were playing uh, Wexford and we were all so, so delighted. It was, yeah. it really made a, a huge difference. Had that been a big campaign? Was that a big yeah. issue at the time? A big talking point? Yeah, it was a big talking point. Right. Like every player, no matter who you are, wants to play in Crow Park. Yeah. And, you know, there was a small crowd, but we didn't care. You know, we wanted to play in Crow Park. Uh, we played uh, before that. We yeah. played in Parky Kiev. Okay. So that was the that was the base, biggest jump up to that. And then before that, it was just parish pitches anywhere. Was it really? Yeah. All Ireland football finals. All Ireland football final. Like we played Nina in our first final in '82. Poured out of the heavens. We had a shower, but. I don't think the water was too warm that day. <laughs> someone mentioned to me there might have been one year where you were changing in someone's sitting room near the pitch. Yeah, that often happens, you know. And it, as well as that, like, the facilities at that time weren't great anyway. Sure. In all over the country, you know, and I wouldn't doubt that. But, um, what you call it, but, and ladies football wasn't well known. Mm. And so, you know, the pitches, you, you play wherever you got the pitch. And, you know, we, we didn't have any sponsorship. And yeah. mostly the time we just kind of... Um, you know, we made our way to the pit, to the matches, and sometimes I remember girls hitching back to Dublin after a league final, or, or you know, there was no bus, or there was no bus, or else, you know, if you were playing, you know, if we were playing Dublin or we were playing Wexford, uh, what you call it, there'd be always one or two Dub girls that were, might be playing and or working in Dublin, yeah. and you'd always get a lift back for them and whatever else. So it's just kind of different times, different times, yeah. yeah. And like, so if, if you win in All Ireland, is it in the national newspapers the next day? Is there a bit? There must be a bit of a write-up. Um, yeah, I think actually one of the most... The first journal, sports journalist, really, to pay heed to Kerry was the late Con Hoolahan. Really, yeah. You know, and we couldn't wait to see his, um, his paper, the Evening Press, you know, uh, is that what it was called, yeah. wasn't it, at the time? And uh, what you call it, he was, he was very good to ladies football and he loved... I didn't realise that, actually. Football, yeah. right. And he always came, we used to have our... Uh, you know, our announcements or whatever in the merchant, I know she is merchant down the keys yeah. and he'd always be there. And uh, yeah, he was, he was great. But we'd always get a small little bit, you know, 10 lines and then might follow the year, might get 20 and might get four. <laughs> Did I, um, someone mentioned it to me, because again, I, there's not much information online, so I don't know if it's true or not, but when your Kerry team won its ninth in a row and you got the train back to Tralee, maybe yeah. it was, there was no homecoming, there was nothing, in fact, were you locked in the train station? Well, no, that wasn't that, wasn't that year. It was a few years before that. Right. Uh, what you call it, um, uh, you know, we came in the train, we were coming in the last train, and uh, somebody just forgot that we had to actually get off the train and get out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, had to, we were delayed in the train station for a little while before right. they got the keys to open the gate to let us out. But, like, you know, I, I kind of don't mind that, really. You know, I mean, I... Um, I think it's great now, mm. and I think it's great that Little came on, sp on mm. sponsorship. I think it's great TG Cahar has, you know, has promoted the game on their channel. And um, would I swap it for the time that I played? Not really, because you know you play a sport because you love it, yeah. and what you get out of it is 
like I got all our medals and I had those in my back pocket, so I don't really, you know, nothing can replace that. Mm. So, you know, but I think it's great now that they are getting so much publicity <laughs> and the crowds are just are coming on and, yeah. and women are supporting themselves, you know. We have to look at ourselves too sometimes mm. instead of looking at other people because women sometimes don't support each other. So, you, you know, you have to look and support each other. That's why, you know, I mean, when I stopped playing ladies football, you know, I am... My, my husband and myself started a club in Summerhill where we live now. Um, I started a club at school. And that's the most important, you know what I mean? Getting girls playing, mm. getting them involved and passing it on, basically. Yeah, and I presume you're, you're seeing growth in that area. Like, I know, Lindsay, you were mentioning in Scaries. Mm. From when you started playing, when you're maybe the, was no, you were playing with the boys up yeah. to under 12s, we, we, that's we all know, changed Yeah, now. we, like, in, that's only going back, what, geez, when I was younger, like... Um, 20 years ago, yeah. we did, we'd no girls team in the club, uh, underage team anyways. Um, so I was playing up the boys till under 13s and I had a, you can't play under 14s with the boys. So I was like, look, you're going to either have to set up a club or I'm going to have to move clubs, set up a team, I mean, sorry, yeah. or move clubs. And thankfully we did, we got a team up and running and now the ladies section of the club in Scaries is nearly bigger than the men's and it's just literally gone from strength to strength and even with the All-Irelands, like we've had busloads of kids coming in to support us and the support has been unbelievable but it's fantastic as a player seeing what you're bringing back to the club and seeing the interest that's bringing now and so much younger girls going, that's what I want to do, I want to get to Coke Park and represent Dublin and All-Ireland and I think we're very privileged to be in that position. Uh, you've literally been playing for Dublin or on the Dublin panel for half your life, just over yeah. half your life now. So you were called into the panel at the age of 14. You won your first All-Star at 15. Mm. Uh, you've three All-Irelands in the can now, 2010, and then obviously we've seen yeah. the last two years. So, you know, winning your first All-Star at 15 is, uh, is a bit ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah, I was a bit mad, I suppose. I was brought in in 2004 with John O'Leary. Um, fortunately, we lost to Galway in our first All-Ireland. Um, well, my first All-Ireland, um, and then we lost to them again in the semi-final a year later and got nominated for an All-Star that year and won, but I know it's, it's one of those things, I think, um, I got Leinster Young Player of the Year as well, so I don't know if I was really deserved of it, um, but look, it's lovely to have been selected, I suppose, and it's something that you'll always have. Yeah, it sure is. I was reading as well that you're uh, working as a firefighter. Yeah. Uh, you had been in Crow Park, working in Crow Park before that, is that right? Yeah, I was working in the accounts office in Crow Park okay. uh, and finance. So from the accounts office and finance and, you know, the heater on and warm cups of coffee and sitting at your computer <laughs> to firefighting. Mm. That's a big enough jump. When did the firefighting catch your eye? Um, it was always something I wanted to do. I right. um, always had an interest since a child, just loved firefighting and medical side of things. Um, and then, obviously, when I went to college, we were in the middle of a recession. Um, so there's no recruitment in any of those okay. areas. And, of course, I always wanted to go to college anyway, get a degree. And just I think when you go into the fire service, you love having a bit of life experience behind you. Okay. So my plan was to always get a degree, you know, go off traveling for a bit. I went to New York in 2012 on a J1. Um, worked in Crow Park then for a few years. And just thankfully then... Um, Dublin Airport were the first people to start recruiting in that area. I said, look, sure, I'll just throw my CV in and see what happens. And luckily I got the job and still there now and absolutely love it. Um, is it as dangerous as I suspected? Um, look, I suppose it's one of those jobs that, yeah, when you're going in to any instance, I suppose people are removing themselves to that situation and you're putting yourselves in. Yeah. But look, that's why we do all the training and we're equipped with all our safety procedures. So to yeah, to, to help you. So, But when you arrive at that scene and there are people running out... 
and you're about to run in. Mm. That strikes me as a very difficult thing to do. I mean, on paper, we say, well, yes, I can understand how you do it. But is it a very difficult thing to... Not really. It's know? just like, I suppose, going out in Crow Park and all our final. It's definitely just not like that. It <laughs> is. You have your training. You have your training and your prep done. And so, so what does your so training take? When you get on, when you get in, out there, then it's just all just experience. And yeah. So what is your training as you're entering a burning building? Um, well, I suppose it obviously depends. Um, thankfully, I haven't had any of those major uh instance in the airport thank god yeah um but look that's what we're there for we specialize in aviation emergencies and um like i suppose our training is vast in all areas mm. you know like with our ba procedures um everything kind of comes down to protocol and like i said any instant you go to you just rely back on your training and your experience yeah and you're enjoying it love it yeah, yeah. so i presume that's shift work 12 hours <laughs> after training or before training all that yeah, kind of stuff yeah um definitely think my first year doing it in 2015 was probably the most draining I suppose because you know you're trying to get used to the shift work and then you could be finishing night shift going straight to training or training and then going straight to work after so it's just trying to find that balance and I think a couple of years in it now so you're kind of learning a balance on how to manipulate your roster better and I'm very fortunate that I work with a fantastic crew out in the airport mm. um they're constantly willing to do swap shifts and facilitate me where best they can and like I always say if it wasn't for them I wouldn't be able to still be playing county Really, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And so, Dublin are going for three in a row. Was mm -hmm. it a tough decision to stay on, not stay on? I know, obviously, Mick Bowen is a manager that you like a lot, and him staying on has probably helped things. Are yeah, without we, a doubt. Were you always going to stay on? He's a brilliant... No, um, my plan probably this year was to definitely just hang up the boots probably after the All-Ireland last year, but I suppose just per personal circumstances changed, and right. I'm in a position now to stay on. And um, I definitely did sit down with Mick, and I was only saying to Kieran earlier, like, it's, it does, like I said, I've been playing since I'm 14, and it takes a massive toll on your body, and even just recovery from the training sessions, you pick up niggles, everything just takes that little bit longer to recover from. And I suppose it's mentally draining as well, like I said, when you're doing 12-hour shifts and you're trying to facilitate training in on top of that. Yeah. Um, and it gets pretty hectic. It's not like you can go into work and say, I'm going to take it easy today. Yeah, you exactly. <laughs> like, you just have to be ready for whatever you get called out to. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I'm very lucky that I work with a great crew and they've made it very easy over the past couple of years. But, um, yes, it's, it's, it's well, it's, I suppose it's hard when you're in a team as well. And, like, we were on our team holiday in Andorra. And just the absolute crack that you have with the mm. girls. Like, they're like your family and your best friends. And just, I'm sure you know over the years, you have so much stories and banter. And it's just very hard to kind of walk away from it. It's easy to say you're going to walk away, but to the actually reality, do it. Yeah, to I leave suppose, the WhatsApp group. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I suppose when you have the likes of um, three in a row as well, the chance get, we, I've lost five All-Irelands yeah. over my career at Dublin. So I suppose you want to win as many as you can while you can. And I suppose... If I get one more successful year out of Dublin, I'm very lucky with the career I already have. Yeah. Um, but DL, one more year is still there. So. No, we'll be talking to you in a year and you'll still be Yeah, I'll be one, one more year, year. again. Uh, I totally get what you're saying about you know, the group and the friendships. A lot of people would have seen the Blue Sisters documentary mm. on television, which is brilliant. And actually, yeah. the sport could do with that kind of profile. But they seem like a great crew as well. A lot of really likable players there. I don't know, did yeah. you see it, Eileen? Yeah, I did. I yeah. saw it. Yeah, it was very good, yeah. Um, how has the standard changed from the 80s in women's football? Um, I suppose like it has changed. Um, I think it's faster games than now than what it was. Right. Um, um, but um, what you call it, uh, it's definitely faster. Um, but I still think we probably might have had some similar skills that that are present there yeah. today. You know, we had great players. You know, I mean, we had some. You know, I, off my head, like some of the Kerry great players that I played with 
Annette Walsh, she played midfield in Cordell and Castle Island. You know what I mean? She was just outstanding. You know, I've, I've yet to come across midfielders that, that I think would compare to her. Uh, Mary Jo Kern also yeah. midfield, Phil Kern defence, um, Anne Costello, my sister Margaret. Uh, you know, they're, they're very, very skillful players and what you call it. But I do think the game has got faster, mm. you know. Definitely, I suppose strength and conditioning is a massive area as well. Yeah. Like, I know when I first started, we didn't really have much emphasis on strength and conditioning, whereas now it's, you know, you'd be in the gym every week, um, training away. But I think even with Mick coming in on board, like like saying the skills, Mick has just brought us back to basics. Right. And we're so, the emphasis is just going back onto the skills, doing your, you know, your, your solo hand pass and kick pass and all those things in the game, they, they haven't changed since we, you've started playing and they're still there. It's just the execution of the skills. And I suppose in previous All-Irelands, that's probably something that let us down, um, just giving away possession too cheaply or <coughs> our execution and scoring. Um, and thankfully that's something Mick came, just stripped it all back and went back to basics. And I suppose the difference in the team the past two years has been unbelievable. Um, so it was Cork last year in the final, <coughs> Mayo the year before that, and then you have this ridiculous era of Cork dominance, which yeah. you don't need to be reminded of. Yeah. Who's the biggest threat this year to Dublin? Um, I think Cork are going to be there again. Right. Um, you know, they went through a transition of, like, geez, they're a fantastic side, like you're saying, they're the only team to have matched Kerry. Um, but it was the same again. They, they, they just never, had that core. Never did nine core. in a row, though. I no, definitely not. The yeah. They haven't done but, nine in a row. <laughs> but they had that core group of players for yeah. that time and same management. And for the commitment to stick around for that long was just unbelievable. And I don't know if they even got the credit that they deserved during that period either. Um, and obviously, I've been on the. I'd have a lot more All Ireland if it wasn't for them. Yeah. But to play against such great players, now it's brilliant. But um, I know they've lost some of kind of their key players over the last couple of years. And Breach Stacks just recently announced her retirement. Yeah. And you got Breach, Corkery, Rena Buckley. Like you could just ring off so many stars yeah. in their teams. Um, but you've seen that in the All Ireland last year. They're there again. They're kind of building. Um, they really put it up to us in the All-Ireland final last year and I've no doubt Aoife's going to have them driving on hard again. Warren Abbey won the club All-Ireland there um, only a couple of weeks ago, so they're really going to be pushing on again next year and I'd say they'll definitely be the ones to watch again. Yeah, okay. Um, have you been down to the Dingle Peninsula for the competition in February? No, I have to say um, I probably retired about 25 years ago, so um, <laughs> I don't think ladies' uh, football was uh, involved at that stage. Mm. Um, or you've gone down as a coach, though, I think. Yeah, I've gone down as a coach, right. yes, with, uh, with my own club. Uh, but no, I've never played in the actual competition, but it's, it's a great competition when I was down. And do you, I mean, were you out of the pub before the Defence Forces or just after? Or <laughs> <whatever>? <laughs> uh, before, just in case. Yeah. Uh, and give us a sense of the weekend for people who haven't been down. I mean, I, I haven't had the pleasure of going down. So. Oh, I mean, what you call it... Um, the girls are, they just, it is a great weekend, you know, and even the trip down, it's, you know, everybody thinks Kerry is, when you know, I live up now in Summerhill and County Meath, and Kerry is so far away, and Dingle is even further away again, and, mm. you know, it's even just the journey down is, is, is great fun, yeah. you know, it's great fun, and they can't believe, you know, do you go to come down here every weekend, you know, because it's four-hour journey or whatever. But um, it just starts even there, and we, we stop halfway down, we stop usually in, uh, in, in Nina, and then, uh, what you call it, you know, we all stay in different B&Bs, and we go out and they play games and mm. has a few drinks. and Yeah. 
generally have a good time as well. A nice way to spend a few days. Yeah. Um, have you been down? No, unfortunately not, but I know there's plenty of Dublin clubs that have been down over the years, and I just think from having the crack today with Kieran and uh, Pork and all, I think we'll definitely try and get the team involved next yeah. year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with a look ahead to this year as well, league is coming around the corner, and you have a few double headers with the men's teams yeah. in Croker, don't you? Which is another step forward. I mean, that, that gets people in the habit of going to see these games and big Yeah, crowds. I think it's definitely a way to go. Like, look, we've had fantastic attendances in the All-Ireland the past two years. Like, I think as a female athlete to go out in front of Crow Park in front yeah. of 50,000 is just and that's, unbelievable. You know, it, it's funny how quickly the final has now become an event. I fully expect a huge crowd next year and the year beyond. People have it in their heads now. It's in the calendar. So it's yeah, about Yeah, and I think, again, that. that's down to the advertising from Lidl coming on board and the promotion that they've given the teams like you know seeing the likes of Sinead Goldrick up on billboards mm. now and all it's just fantastic and again it's younger girls are seeing that and going geez that's what I want to aspire to be yeah um but it's all great getting those attendances at all Ireland it's now about replicating that in the likes of the league and earlier stages of the championship I think definitely Dublin double headers are the way to go um we had three double headers last year um two announced so far this year and I think even in Munster they've announced two of their championship games in um for the Monster Championship, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. double headers, yeah, it's great. So it's yeah. Uh, are you making another documentary behind the scenes? Uh, no, not that I'm aware of, but I know it's something I'd love to see some other. I would have loved, you know, a few years ago to get behind the scenes of Cork and see what they're at. And yeah. I think it's something you always want to delve into the teams and just. I know, I think even the Katie Taylor documentary is on tonight, and yes, I think yeah. the more documentaries you can get with. Just all sports in general behind the scenes thing would be fantastic. Yeah. I know I love them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Any kind of access like that is great. Yeah. Um, listen, guys, thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Lindsay Davy, the very best to look this year coming. Thank you. Let's make it All Ireland number four. And um, from the most underrated, forgotten All Ireland, <laughs> nine in a row All Ireland winning team we'll ever uh, see, Eileen Loder, thanks so much for coming Thank up. You it's very much, much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. So um, we're going to. Hand back to our studio now. Kevin Kilban and Johnny Ward are standing by with the football show. Uh, my thanks to everyone here, to um, Eileen and Lindsay, obviously, but to Michal Amara Hurtig, to Kieran Donaghy, to Dermot Early, to Billy Keane, uh, Killian Burns as well from Commodus Pell for all the help. Everyone here at the Balls Bridge Hotel. Uh, we were launching the 30th Lidl Ireland Commodus Pell Podioche tournament in association with EJ Menswear, Kerry County Council Tourism Unit, and Lee Strand Milk. And for more details, you can go to podioche.com. So we'll leave you there. Thanks so much, everybody, for sticking with us. And uh, have a lovely evening, and we'll talk to you again. Good luck. Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.